Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Fourth and Manageable, an SEC football podcast. Brought to you by 2400 Sports. Now, here's Brad Edwards. And now it's time to welcome in my co-host, Tyler Bray, former Tennessee quarterback. Tyler, we last talked on Saturday night. The SEC was a, a perfect 13-0 in week one, and we were just waiting on LSU to make it a perfect 14-0 on Sunday night, and it didn't exactly happen that way. I want to get your thoughts on the uh, the debut of, of Brian Kelly in Baton Rouge, or actually in, in New Orleans in this case for that particular game. What went right, if anything, and then uh, just tell me about how you'd be feeling right now if you were an LSU player after what happened in game one. Yeah, it's got to be tough. Yeah, you had it. All you needed was kind of an extra point to send it into overtime and give your team a chance. Stuff happens. There was things that happened in, earlier in the game, though, that uh, led to that. So it wasn't just, you know, the mixed extra point. I mean, there were some coaching decisions made. There was some plays that, you know, could have ended up differently and uh, it all kind of led to that outcome of losing by one. It seemed like LSU offense was never really in sync. I mean, the, the very first play they had offensively, you have a, a, a long quarterback scramble, which, I mean, on, on paper it looks good, but it seemed like that the the whole flow of the passing game was never really there. And then uh, you, throughout the game, you saw a lot of frustration by their number one receiver, uh, Kayshawn. Uh, and up to this point, he's always been for, referred to as Boutte. Uh, I, I noticed last night they were pronouncing it Boutte. So we'll say Kayshawn Boutte uh, for LSU. Number seven 
was very frustrated uh, throughout the game with his new quarterback, Jaden Daniels. It seemed to be that was the source of his frustration. Whatever it was, he wasn't catching many passes. As a quarterback, Tyler, what do you do in that situation when your clear number one target um, isn't happy? He's not getting the ball. What can you do as a quarterback? And then how much of that kind of falls on the play caller to sort it out? Yeah, it's definitely it definitely kind of starts with the play calling. I mean, they could have started the game, you know, quick hitch to them, uh, little fly sweep, reverse type play, or just a little quick screen. I mean, there's a bunch of ways to get the ball into your playmaker's hands without having to make it all on the quarterback. I mean, you can scheme that up. You had all off season to do it. Uh, I don't see why it took so long for him to finally get a catch. Yeah, and, and look, Daniels ran for over 100 yards uh, in that game. And on one hand, you're like, hey, great. We got a new quarterback who's a dual threat. And um, this this should you know be something that we can count on as part of the offense throughout the season. But on the other hand, it seemed like there were times when maybe he could have stayed in the pocket or should have stayed in the pocket longer, could have kept his eyes downfield. What was your take on his uh, adjustment to this new offense? Now, granted, it's... It's game one for him, not of his college career, but but with these teammates and with that play caller, uh, what did you make of his performance? I think running the ball, he did a good job of extending plays, but I think he got into those situations because he's going through his reads too fast. Uh, there was a play early on where he had kind of a sale combination, which is a clear out by the outside guy, and the inside guy's running like a 10-yard, 10, 12-yard 10 out corner type route and he had the guy wide open but he snapped back to his backside read and just missed him because he's going through his reads too quick and so by doing that he doesn't see the open man doesn't throw the ball and he's having to you know now make plays with his feet it seemed like overall a very negative night for LSU not only did they lose the game in in you know, somewhat heartbreaking fashion kind of flukish and we'll get to that in just a little bit so they, they come away with a loss and, and a new coach's first game, a game certainly they were in position to win. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You had an injury to not only your best defensive player, but one of the, the best defensive linemen uh, in the SEC, maybe in the country, in Mason Smith. Um, and uh, didn't look good on that front, and it looks like they're going to be without him for a while. And then uh, you had Kayshawn Bouti, which I, I mentioned his frustration. As we sit here right now, we're still awaiting word on what his, his status is with the team, but we can see on social media he's gone and, and he's deleted his photos. He's deleted everything that's kind of related to LSU, I don't want to jump the gun and speculate that he's left the team because this may very well be a temporary thing and he doesn't miss a game. But if he's your teammate, what's your thought process right now when you see somebody doing something like this and having a reaction, a negative reaction that's so public? Yeah, I think there definitely needs to be uh, a meeting between him and the coaches because uh, obviously there's some miscommunication there. Uh, when you have a playmaker like that, you got to get him the ball though. So I can see why he's frustrated. I think he, he didn't get his first catch until the fourth quarter, I think it was. Or, yeah, fourth quarter. Yeah, he and did so, drop some passes, though, in fairness. Like, there were some balls thrown to him that he that he could have caught, but he didn't. Yeah. 
Uh, I just think they need to, you know, figure out steps moving forward in order to get him involved in the game plan more because obviously it wasn't uh, didn't work out the way they thought it was going to. And so just kind of looking at this for LSU moving forward, I mean, it, it it's a loss. But at the same time, I, I don't think many people were under the delusion that LSU was going to compete for a spot in the playoff this year. So at the end of the day, a loss against Florida State probably doesn't change a whole lot as, as far as their season. Um, you, you've got one game under a new coaching staff, and it's all about, you know, building not only through the rest of this year, but but beyond. Um what do you focus on coming out of that? Obviously, there's a there's a lot to work on with special teams, but what what's your primary takeaway? Uh, they just got to clean things up. It was a very sloppy game on all sides of the ball. Uh, I mean, offense wasn't you know there wasn't many guys open. Uh, as you watch the game, there's there was never really any separation or any schemes that you know attack the zones of uh, the Florida State defense, and I just think they struggled doing that. So I think they need to get back on the drawing board, uh, probably try not to do too much, simplify everything, because this is a new system for everybody. There's going to be a learning curve with that. And so I think they just need to simplify everything, get back to the basics, and uh, try to get the ball moving. Okay, and then finally, the way the game ended. Um, it was It was kind of a bizarre exchange between the two teams. Let me just back up uh, a couple of minutes from the end when LSU was going to get the ball back, it appeared down seven, but for the second time in the game, they fumbled a punt return. Florida state recovers inside the LSU 10. It appears they're going to end the game. You felt like LSU was in a position where maybe they should have at least given strong consideration to letting Florida state score and, and, but then Florida State gives them the ball back on a fumble. Let's just look at it. I, I know it's an SEC podcast, but just talking football from, from the football perspective, what did you make out of Florida State's approach at that point needing just three points, just a field goal to end the game, and they end up coming away with nothing? Yeah, I think you got as a Florida as the Florida State offense, you got to run the ball three times, and it's got to be a handoff. It's got to be a very safe play to run because you already have three points. You kick the field goal, you go up two scores. It's a two-possession game. Now they have to burn their timeouts, and they're having to run a two-minute drill basically and try to get you know 10 or 14 points. And for LSU, I think you got to let them score for the fact that you got to save timeouts. You're banking on them getting at least a field goal and so you you got to let them score. I think uh, then you got to march down the field, get a quick quick touchdown or quick field goal if you're only down ten, whatever it may be, and then hope for a prayer at the end. And obviously, that's not the way that it turned out because Florida State tried to pitch the ball. They fumble. LSU recovers. They they get new life. Um, and it was it was crazy because I, I mentioned the two, or at least I I know I mentioned the second one. There were two fumbled punt returns by LSU in that game. Both of them, Florida State took over in the red zone, and both of them, they came away with no points. So LSU, as poorly as they played, and you mentioned the poor execution throughout most of the game, they're still right in it with a minute to go. They have the ball. They got to go 99 yards, and they manage to get down the field. And uh, we we finally get to a point where, and we can, you know, 
eliminate all the discussion about the review and, you know, player being down in bounds and whether the clock should have started at that point. But in the end, LSU has one play from the two yard line. Uh, first of all, what did, what did you think of the play call? Obviously it worked. It was a touchdown. Uh, did you like the, the way that LSU drew that up with one play left from the two and having to score a touchdown to keep the game alive? Yeah, it definitely had to be some type of pass play. I know they had a booty kind of on like a little, he came in and kind of just sat. So it's one of those where he's looking to hit him. And then you have guys wrapping around on the backside. It's like a hooter in an Andy Reid offense. It'd be like a hooters call where you have like two guys sitting almost at the goal line. And then you have two guys on the outside wrapping on the back of the end zone. And it's a, it's a great red zone play. It's I've seen it work plenty of times. And he went through his reads. He got to his backside throw, and he made the throw. I thought it was a, a great play call. And obviously, a, a lot of air came out of the Florida State fans at that point. A lot of excitement with the LSU fans because we're going to overtime, right? Like we get free football, except that we didn't because uh, LSU, after having already had a field goal blocked in the first half ends up getting the extra point blocked. I know you're not a special teams coach. You didn't play on special teams, so I don't want to, you know, ask you to to break it down, but just in general as a player, how tough is it to take a loss when that loss is almost I don't want to say almost entirely. That's probably not fair, but so much of it had to do with special teams errors. Yeah, I mean, you have the blocked field goal, you have the two muff punts, and then you have the extra point block. That's Those are four huge plays on special teams. And blocking normally from just talking to special team coaches throughout the years, blocking, always blocking inside out. You want to make them run the hump. You want to make the most, the furthest guy from the ball have to make the play. And on both blocks, you see the inside guy, the end or the offensive end, the tight end, I think it was Taylor. He's blocking out and the guy's just hopping right over him. And it's a free lane. So you got to block down, make the outside guy try to make the field goal block. And look, I think you got to give credit to Florida State for the effort that they gave on that play. It would have been really easy after LSU scored the, the touchdown, given the circumstances of the previous couple minutes, and just, you know, kind of roll your eyes, be frustrated, look ahead to overtime. But they didn't. They, we had, they had one other chance to keep the game from going to OT, and, you know, guy makes a play. So uh, hats off to Florida State. It was a huge win for them. Uh, obviously a tough loss for LSU, but uh, as I said earlier, at the end of the day, it probably doesn't change a whole lot about their season. It just makes week two a lot longer and and the, the whole wait into the first conference game a lot longer for LSU fans, but uh, they'll they'll deal with it.